Hi there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Simply Living for Him podcast. On this podcast, I talk about all things simple. Whether it's life out here on our little hobby farm, or how I keep things simple in my homeschool, or just I like to talk about Jesus, because I truly believe that the remedy to clutter and chaos these days is Jesus. The more we desire Him, the less we will desire the things of this world, and the more naturally we will be able to simplify our lives. So, I am excited to... Uh, record this one tonight because this is a topic that I feel is so needed. And every time I speak at homeschool conventions or I just speak to women in life, this topic always comes up. And it seems to um, be something that all of us have dealt with at some point. And it's something that we need to make sure we kind of get a grip on or a handle on before it can Before we get started, I do want to thank our podcast sponsor, Apologia. Please visit Apologia.com. They have amazing resources for the Christian family. Many of my homeschool listeners know Apologia for their wonderful science curriculum and their language arts. They have Bible resources, but they have resources for any Christian family. They have a lot of encouragement books for moms. So head over to Apologia.com and check out their resources. They also have a new health and... um, I want to say, oh, health and nutrition, <laughs> um, health and nutrition curriculum coming out this spring. I have previewed it and it's amazing. My kids will be using it and I'm very excited about it. So I have just returned from speaking in Nashville last week at the Teach Them Diligently convention. And I'm going to tell the story that I've been telling all over the internet. And I told a million times at the convention just because Perhaps you're a podcast listener who doesn't follow me on the internet and who wasn't at the convention and you don't read my blog, but you only listen to the podcast. So I need to make sure everybody hears this story because it literally changed my life and it's continuing to change my days. So last week we traveled down to Nashville, Tennessee for the amazing Teach Them Diligently convention. This was my fourth year speaking for Teach Them Diligently, and I absolutely love this homeschooling convention because I love the hearts behind the convention. I love um, the people who put on the convention and their mission, and the fact that this homeschool convention is about way more than academics. It's all about the heart and discipleship, and you guys know that's what I'm all about. So it is truly um, a wonderful place for me to be able to share my messages at the homeschool, at the Teach Them Diligently conventions. So we were headed to Nashville last week, and um, the week before our trip, I will tell you that Satan was all over me. Okay, I was completely filled with anxiety about so many things. I was feeling anxious. I was having a lot of negative thoughts. And, you know, just because I speak about how to get rid of those things doesn't mean that I don't fall sometimes. And I'm being completely transparent. I was in a bad place the week before the convention. You know, lo and behold, of course, when you're going to do something big for God, these things always happen. And I have learned that from my experiences with speaking and putting on events that these things do happen. So, um, 
the week before I was having a lot of negative thoughts and I was filled with anxiety and just, you know, kind of worrying that things would go wrong or, you know, I I would assume every speaker has this at some point, but you think like, who am I? You know, what do I have to say? It's not important. And you have all these, these feelings and thoughts. And so I was combating them with truth and trying to stay in my word, but I was having a really hard time fighting the thoughts. And then we had this giant snowstorm, a nor'easter, the Friday before our trip. And most of my town lost power. And for some reason, out of, you know, 916 homes, 914 were without power. And we were one of the two that were not, that did not lose power. So praise the Lord, our home was safe. We lost a giant, giant tree um, on our property, but thankfully there was no damage. It fell right, you know, in a place where there was no damage to anything. Um, We have to clean it up at some point. But other than that, we were so blessed because my town was a wreck. There were power lines down, trees down. It was horrific. Schools were closed, I think, for practically a whole week. Um, And so people were without power for over a week. So that happened and we were like, praise the Lord. We didn't lose power. You know, our house is fine. And now we can get ready for our trip. Well, then they planned, they didn't plan. And then the the weather station was predicting another nor'easter hitting us. And when was it going to hit? On Wednesday. Okay. So we were supposed to leave on Wednesday and we were planning to leave at 4 a.m. Wednesday morning to drive the 13, 14 hours from New Jersey to Nashville. And so I was keeping my eye on the weather and I was getting more discouraged because at first it wasn't supposed to be a big thing. And then it started turning into a bigger and bigger storm. And I'm like, that's okay. It'll start after we leave. God will work this out. You know, we'll, we'll be able to get out because the storm will start Wednesday and we'll be on the road already. Well, as the days got closer, the storm was getting pushed further and further ahead. Now it was being predicted to start overnight Tuesday. So I'm thinking, well, by 4 a.m., we're going to be in trouble. Then they were saying, okay, it's going to start 7 p.m. on Tuesday evening. So now by 4 a.m., you know, we would be snowed in because they were predicting up to two feet of snow. So, um, All along, I kept thinking, nope, we'll have to make it work. We're going to find a way, you know? And then I had these horrible thoughts at the same time fighting, you know, you're not going, you're not meant to go, God doesn't want you there, you're going to be snowed in and all this. So I just kept praying, you know, God, if you want us there, you will get us there and we will figure it out, we will find a way. So um, we decided after watching all the news reports that the storm was coming Tuesday night at 7 that we were going to leave on Tuesday night at seven, because actually that was the earliest we could possibly get out with commitments that we had on Tuesday. So here we were standing in my driveway on Tuesday at seven, packed, ready to go. And I'm just completely, um, filled with anxiety. And I'm like, you know what? I said to Steve, it started to snow right at that moment, right at seven. I said to Steve, we have to drive through the storm in order to get out of it, to get to the other side. And I'm, I'm saying to him, you know, if we start driving and it's bad, that's it. We're just not meant to go. We just don't go. We're just going to turn around and come home. So our plan was we'll drive a few hours, try to get through the storm to the other side, and then we will be okay to stay in a hotel for the night and then continue the drive on Wednesday. So that was the plan. So we get in the car, we start driving, and all of a sudden it's not snowing. Okay. And I'm like, okay. So I look at the weather radar and I have pictures of this on the, on the um, blog, if you haven't seen it already. 
So I'm watching the live radar, which is showing like the storm and the storm that we're right headed into because we're trying to go into it so that we can get out of it to the other side. We're trying to, you know, get to what we were doing was going through Pennsylvania and to try to get to Maryland or West Virginia area so that we could get further enough, far enough away so we could sleep over and on Wednesday we could continue on without the snow being a hindrance. So I'm watching the live radar and well, let me tell you the most important part. Steve prays right before we go. He prays in the car and he says, you know, God, if you want us there, you'll get us there. And, you know, please get us, you know, through this storm. You can split the sea, split the sea and let us get through it. And, um, he says, you know, just put a hedge of protection around us. So we start driving and the snow stops and I'm looking at the radar And I cannot even explain still without getting like goose chills here. I watched the live radar was all encompassed blue and green, which is the precipitation of the snow and the rain all mixed together. And it was this big blob of blue and green, right? And we're heading right into it. And as as the radar is moving, the live radar showing us what's coming, it literally shows the precipitation split open. And our little dot on the radar where we are and the the road we're going through goes right through emptiness. So there's precipitation on either side of us and we go through straight through nothing. God literally answered Steve's prayer before my eyes. He split the sea. So now I don't know if you know the song, but I'm not going to sing on the podcast because you guys will never listen again if I sing. No. (laughs) But we're singing this song about he split the sea so we could walk right through it. And so now we're like singing. I'm like, Steve, I'm like, you're not going to believe this on the radar. And he's looking at me like, of course that happened. Like his faith is just, you know, he's always so strong in these situations. I'm the one who's always fearful. He's like, of course, you know, our prayer is answered. So we literally had no snow that night and we got through where we needed to get through. We stayed overnight and continued on the next day and the weather was fine. And so um, it was truly amazing to literally watch before my eyes, God answer my prayer. Not only did he just allow us to get through the snow, I mean, he showed me the literal answer to prayer. He split the storm so we could go right through it. And you know what, guys? He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to prove anything to me. I should have faith in the snowstorm regardless. And so it was just an amazing experience. I can't really explain to you the amount of peace I have had since that moment. For somebody who's constantly like worrying and, and has anxiety and is playing scenarios in her head of, you know, what could happen or this could happen or blah, blah, blah. I have just been like waking up every day like this is what it is to live it. This is how it feels to really walk in faith because God has shown that if he wants you to do something, there's no stopping him. It doesn't matter what the weather reports say. And God is so... I mean, he is sovereign over every detail. So who am I to be anxious? Now, of course, I was being responsible by checking the weather and, you know, trying to make decisions accordingly. But in the end, he ultimately controls every single second. And so I have just had so much peace since this trip. 
And I am just so excited because I feel like we have a very busy, busy, and you guys know me, I don't like busy. We have a very busy time coming up right now, but it's all good stuff. It's all opportunities that God has given me through simply living for him. And I am thrilled and I am excited and I am not worrying and playing over every little um, scenario in my mind of what can go wrong or why me or this. I'm just like, all right, God. I'm walking right through it. I am walking right through everything you give me. You are in control. So um, it's just, I'm giving him all the praise. I have seen him literally change something that has been so difficult for me for so long. Not to say I'm not going to slip back. I'm sure I'm going to and get anxious and worried about things. But right now, this has been such an amazing lesson. So, okay, that is not what the podcast episode is about, but I needed to tell that story because I'm just so in awe of how I literally watched him split the sea, split the storm right before my eyes. So anyway, let's move on to talking about the comparison trap. So my life is not supposed to look like your life and your life is not supposed to look like mine. And isn't that beautiful, right? We're not all supposed to be the same. Yet time and again, women especially have this um, obsession (laughs) with comparing themselves to others. I talked a lot about this at the homeschool convention this past week um, because I think in the homeschool community especially, we compare ourselves to others. We compare our kids to other kids. And it's really um, something that as humans, we just tend to do. So um, I talked about it a lot and it's been on my mind ever since because many times afterwards, I'll talk to attendees at the conference and you know they'll all say to me, that, you know, I struggle with the comparison trap or I struggle with trying to live up to expectations that aren't real because face it, sometimes we don't even have to be comparing to somebody else's life. We have made up in our minds the expectation of what our life should look like. And then we just compare it to that. And that is still a sin. Anytime we are comparing to somebody else or we are wanting what somebody else has, instead of living the life that God has given us or, um, you know, comparing to an expectation and wanting that more than what we have right in front of us, you know, we're coveting. We're coveting someone else's life. We're coveting what they have. Now, there's a difference between gleaning information from others or, you know, taking advice from others or getting ideas from others. But what I'm talking about is when we begin coveting and comparing and becoming envious and jealous, and then that leads to bitterness. All of these things lead to so many sins. So we need to really unpack this whole idea of comparison and why it's not okay. It's okay to get ideas. It's okay to admire somebody else. Definitely. Of course, I admire so many people out there. But when we start internalizing it, on ourselves and comparing it to ourselves. So we can do this in so many ways, whether you're a homeschooler, not a homeschooler, no matter what age or stage of life you are in, I have seen women of every stage of life dealing with the comparison trap. So it really doesn't matter where you're at, but it's definitely something we need to address because Christian women should not be living that way. Sure, women in the world, non-believers, they love it. They love drama. They love, you know, tearing each other down. There's no building people up. There's always like tearing people down. And that always comes from, you know, a sinful nature. However, 
when you have Christ in you, you should be considering others above yourself. You should be putting others first. And we should not be looking out at others and wanting to tear them down because it makes us feel better about ourselves. So there's so many layers to this comparison trap. Let's just try to break it down a little bit. So when does the comparison trap become really detrimental? So it might start out with you admiring somebody else, right? Say you're a homeschool family or just another family. Say you're not a homeschool family. Whatever family, you're just admiring maybe this family at church that you see. And you see that they, you know, their kids look like they're so well behaved. Or you go to their house maybe one day and oh, their house is so nice, you know, and why doesn't my house look like that? And it goes from sort of like admiring, like, oh, they have, they have a really nice life to I want what they have. And I'm going to think about it all the time. And I'm not only going to think about it all the time, I'm going to come home from their house and look at my house and be depressed. Or I'm going to look at my kids and be snappy with them or snippy, you know, like where you're real short-tempered because I'm annoyed right now, because they're not behaving. And those kids that we were at that house, they seem to behave so well. And it starts to snowball. And it starts to play in your mind. And you start to think about not just that family, but then you look at other families, or you look on the internet, or you watch TV, or whatever it is. And you're just constantly thinking about, well, that looks great. I want what that is. I want that. And instead of looking at your family, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because all of our families have shortcomings and all of our families have wonderful things about them, right? Instead of looking and being so blessed and thankful for the wonderful things that you do have and working on the shortcomings between you and God, because... Somebody else's family does not define your family. How somebody else is doing things does not define how you're doing things, right? The only place you should be judging your standards against is the word of God. The only place you should be looking at your family and saying, well, this is something that needs improvement is based on what does the word of God say, right? But what we do is, we look to others, we want what they have, we compare what we have to what they have, it makes us feel discontent and we take our eyes off of God and what he has given us to work with, because basically, yes, families are work, right? We have to work. What he has given us to work with and we have put our eyes on someone else and we're judging our standards against someone else. Now, let me talk about my experiences here because I'm not sitting here to preach to you and say, well, this is what everybody does and it's wrong and I don't do it. <laughs> right? I've done this. I'm a work in progress. And I talk about this so much because I want to be transparent and real and I want to bring out this sin that so many of us deal with but don't talk about, right? A lot of times, for instance, I remember when my kids were little, when I had babies, and I would see, you know, at the little mom's play groups I would, I would go to in the um, little mom's club I was in, you know, you would see the mothers with the babies and we would all hang out together and the toddlers. And 
it was like comparison trap on steroids because everybody was comparing what everybody else's baby was doing. So for instance, you would get together and it would seem so fun and moms and, you know, everybody's having a great time. And then it turns into, oh, look, my baby's walking and they're only nine months old. And then you're like, oh, that's wonderful. And then deep down inside, you're like, my baby's 15 months old and doesn't even take a step. Right. And then you hear that mom that's like, my baby slept through the night at just four weeks old. And you're over there with a four-year-old who won't sleep through the night. And then you're like, oh my goodness. And then even worse, you secretly hope that baby stops sleeping through the night. You secretly hope that baby stops doing all the good things they're doing because you're internalizing it on yourself. What somebody else's child does or does not do does not define your motherhood, okay? So anyway, I always say this when I, when I speak about this topic. So we all compared, you know, when our babies did all these things, you know, whatever it is, walking, crawling, talking, you know, reading. If you're talking about homeschoolers, you know, oh, my baby's reading a novel at three years old. And I'm like, my baby's reading the cat in a hat. <laughs> They're, you know, 10. So you have like these things that really make you feel like your worth has gone down as a mom. So this is what I always say. How many of you out there really know when your friends walked and talked and slept through the night and ate solid foods and read their first book? You don't. None of these things matter later on. But I think it's because especially new moms um, and most moms in general are feeling insecure maybe in, you know, all the newness of motherhood or what they're doing for their children. So they start to compare to what other children are doing. And if their children aren't doing the same, then they feel like they are less than. And that is not true because every baby learns to walk and talk and giggle and talk, you know, do all these things at different times, sleep through the night, eat solid foods, read books. Um, and as your children get older, every child has different gifts, different shortcomings, different things to work with right? And what someone else's child does or doesn't do has nothing to do with you. And we also, I'm going to take it a step further, need to not get prideful and be the one that says, my baby's sleeping through the night. Oh, you look tired. And guess what? We do that. We try to puff ourselves up a little bit because we're defining our motherhood or our womanhood through externals. The only thing that defines you, your motherhood, your worth as a woman, as a person, as a human being, is that you are saved by Jesus. Anything you do, you do through God. And what your kids do or not do does not define you. Your identity comes from being saved by Jesus that you are a child of God. And you walk in that, not in the externals of this world. The externals of this world will not ultimately define us. In eternity, it is not going to matter when your child read their first book, when your child walked and talked, right? But these are the things that we sort of put our um, 
our worth in. So stop it. Don't do that. Remember, you are walking in Christ. And we are to have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ means that Christ died for us. He humbled himself. And we are to have that same mindset that we put others first, no matter what the cost to us. See, when we puff ourselves up or we compare to others, it's all about pride. It's all about we want to feel good. But we're supposed to be humble to the point where we don't count the cost. Think about that, right? When we are puffing ourselves up, that is not a humble attitude. So we need to be very careful that we don't get stuck in the comparison trap because it leads to so many sins. Now, I'm a homeschool mom. God has given me amazing opportunities in just the past year or, you know, few years with writing and speaking. And I found my passion. I found my calling. I really feel like I'm walking in the life he has led me to. And it's all because of him. I never planned to do any of these things at all. I mean, I never sat down and said like, I'm going to start writing books and people are going to read them and I'm going to have a podcast. Like anything I've done was never a plan of mine. It was, it's all evolved into this. Believe me, I love what I do. And I just said to Steve on our trip the other day in Nashville, I was like, I love what I do. I am so grateful that God has given me these opportunities. But this isn't the life for everybody. I mean, this is what he has created uniquely for me. He has created a unique purpose for every single person. And our purpose in life, all of us, the one thing that we all do have to have the same when I say we're not all supposed to look the same, well, there is one common purpose we all have, and that is ultimately that we are to glorify God in our lives. How that looks, though, for each person is going to be different. He may have called you to a job outside of the home. He may have called you to ministry. He may have called you to be a mom. He may have not called you to be a mom. He may have called you to be a missionary around the world. He may have called you to be single. He may have called you to be married. He may have called you to be a public school teacher. He may have called you to be a homeschool mom. I don't know. All I know is every single person has a different, unique purpose. Our one common purpose, though, is to glorify God. How we go about doing that and the circumstances he puts us in are not supposed to be the same. It would be quite a boring world if we all looked exactly the same, right? And actually, because we're so diverse in our purposes and our callings, we are able to glorify him in so many different ways, right? So, It's a beautiful thing that God has given us. So why do we look at somebody else's life and say, oh, I wish I had that. I wish God would do that for me. I wish, you know, I mean, he's called us to live on this little hobby farm. People out there are like, are you crazy? You know, give me my city apartment. I don't want to live anywhere on a hobby farm. That's awesome because everybody has a unique set of circumstances in which they can then 
glorify God. You go out in that city and you glorify God and you minister in that city. I'll be here on my hobby farm, sit with my chickens and minister to my community around me and glorify God by, you know, growing our food and giving it away and sharing the gospel with anyone I can. And I will use my purpose that he's given me a little voice out there on the internet and speaking um, engagements and writing books. And I will use that for his glory. He's given me four beautiful children, right? When I first started homeschooling, I thought you had to like fit the job description of a homeschooler. I thought you had to look a certain way. You had to have like, you know, lots and lots of children. You had to make your own bread. You could only eat organic. Actually, you had to grind your own wheat to make your own bread. You could only grow your own vegetables. You could only eat organic. You had to have raw milk. Like, you know what I mean? All these things that were like the stereotype that I thought, well, I have to dress a certain way, I have to look a certain way, I have to do all these things. Now, maybe for some people, you know, the only thing we need to do is measure everything we do against what the Word of God says. We don't measure it and say, well, so-and-so, they dress this way, and they're homeschoolers, so I guess I should do that. Or, you know, their kids are always winning the spelling bee, and my kids can't spell, so I must be doing something wrong as a homeschool mom. No, those are the kids that God has given you. How can you help them to spell better? Perhaps he didn't make them to be good spellers, but what are they good at? Keep your eyes focused on your own stuff. Everybody has enough of their own baggage. Don't go looking to, you know, try to compare to only people's good things because every single family has stuff they deal with. You know, I was saying at the homeschool convention the other day, I got up there and I'm speaking and I'm talking about my kids and everything. And I'm like, don't be fooled. I had my kids arguing right in this room, right before we started. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, I, I put up this picture because I thought it was so funny. It was a picture of Steve. I had just given a talk about when things aren't picture perfect in your homeschool. And so I had just given that talk. And then we're out there in the beautiful hotel, which was at the Opryland Hotel, which is a gorgeous resort. We're out there taking pictures and we're having a great time. And so there's, you know, my daughter's taking the picture for us and she shows me the the little outtakes. The picture of Steve and I, you know, oh, lovey-dovey, we look so pretty. But the picture right before that, I'm yelling at one of the kids and she had a snapshot of it. So I put it up there on Instagram, on Facebook, just to say, hey, look, you know, we took this picture and you think it was so hunky-dory. Look at the picture before it. And it's me over there with the, you know, scowl on my face (laughs) yelling at one of the kids. So I think part of the remedy to the comparison trap is to keep it real and say, look, yes, some parts of my life, you know, are wonderful, but that doesn't mean you copy them or want them. But guess what? There's so many, so many, so many areas of life that I need to work on as well, as do we all, right? So don't compare. Our lives are not supposed to be the same. That's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ, right? It says in the Bible that there's many different parts for many different purposes, all working together for one common greater purpose. So we can't all be the same. So don't look to other people's life and want that life for yourself. Ask God, you know, what do you want me to do with my life? How can I glorify you in my life? Give me the opportunities that are unique to me in my life so that I have a unique part of God's perfect and bigger plan 
for all of our lives, right? It's a beautiful thing to see many different parts come together for one common greater purpose, and that is to glorify God in everything we do. So I just wanted to talk about that comparison trap today. Like I said, it can be a deadly thing for a homeschool family or any family out there or any woman out there. And I really, really encourage you Get in the word of God, see what he has to say about relationships with others, about how we don't covet, about how we don't have jealousy, and about how we walk together as sisters in Christ, rejoicing when others rejoice, cry when others cry, bearing one another burdens, lifting each other up, encouraging each other, walking this journey together and not against each other. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please write, rate and review it if you're listening to it on iTunes. That really helps me to get my message out there to more listeners. If you're listening on the blog or Facebook or whatever podcast app you have out there, please you know, let me know what you think comment. We can continue the conversation over there. Also share this podcast with your friends and family if it's been a blessing to you. So this way it helps me to get my message out there. Next week, March 22nd to the 24th, I will be in Rogers, Arkansas. I'll be speaking at the Teach Them Diligently convention. Then in April the 5th to the 7th, I will be in Atlanta, Georgia for the Teach Them Diligently convention. If you are in any of those areas, I would encourage you to come on over to the Teach Them Diligently convention. There is no other homeschool convention like it. It is gospel-centered and discipleship, discipleship-oriented, and you will be so blessed by all that they offer for the homeschooling family. Um, also in May the 17th to the 19th, I will be speaking at the Teach Them Diligently in Myrtle Beach. In fact, Myrtle Beach has declared that entire week homeschool week. So there are all kinds of deals going on for homeschooling families, for tourism things and stuff like that. So check out the Teach Them Diligently website for more information. That's teachthemdiligently.net. Then in uh, May 31st to June Second, I will be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, speaking for the Thrive Conference, which is the North Carolina Homeschool Convention. I will also have an exhibitor booth there with Simply Living for Him. I'm really excited. It'll be the first time that we have had an exhibitor booth at one of our conventions, and it's going to be a great place for me to connect with others, sell my books, but mostly I am looking forward to the booth so that I can connect with others, pray with others, chat with others about what we're doing at Simply Living for Him. In July, the 12th to the 14th, I will be in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and we will be having our third annual Simply Living for Him retreat. Please sign up soon if you're planning on coming because time is getting closer. You can sign up at simplylivingforhim.com slash retreats. It's a two-day event. It's for any woman of any stage of life and any age. It's not just for homeschoolers. It's not just for moms. It's for any woman. I would love to see you there. And then in August, I believe it's the 11th and 12th, I will be at the Bible Family Conference in Washington, D.C. You can find more information about that as well on my website or at generations.org. And I am really looking forward to all that God is doing through um, our ministry here at Simply Living for Him. So until the next time, I wish you blessings and joy.